This is HPR episode 2884 entitled Tascam Porter 02 Mini Studio 4 Track Cassette Recorder Demonstration. It is posted by John Culp and is about 77 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is I demonstrate the use of a late 80s early 90s 4 track cassette recorder, a vintage home studio Divic. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is John Culp in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I'm very excited about today's episode. Um, I've been preparing for it for a little while, ever since last weekend. About a week ago, I found something at the flea market in Lafayette that got me very excited that I got for a super bargain, and uh, I'm going to demonstrate it today. What I got is a Tascam Porta O2 Mini Studio. This is a four-track cassette recorder. And I don't know the date of it. I, I've been trying to find that out, but it's probably from the early 1990s or mid-1990s. It's a cassette recorder. Um, I got it for $5, and it was extremely dirty. It did not have a power source with it. It was just in a bin full of junk at the flea market. And um, I, I picked it up because I recognized immediately the awesomeness of it. And the guy selling it really, I don't think, had any idea. But um, I brought it home and um, took it apart and cleaned it all up. I actually have a video that I made of that whole process that you might find interesting to watch if you like that kind of thing. I mean, it was, it was truly disgusting. All the knobs had all kinds of crud in every single crevice. Uh, there was dirt all over it. The cassette door didn't close all the way. And so in the video... I show the process, uh, first of all, of uh, trying to supply power to it to see if the thing worked at all. And uh, there were a couple of failed attempts at um, adapters. You know, it, it has a fairly standard size AC adapter input. Uh, I should, if you're not looking at pictures or anything, I should say it's about, um, I don't know, 12 inches wide by 9 inches deep and about 2 inches thick at its thickest. It's got uh, two rows of knobs on the left, a couple of uh, faders on the middle, and then the cassette door is on the right. There's a little tape counter, and then all the transport control buttons are on the bottom right. There are inputs on the back for quarter-inch jacks only, not for microphone inputs. Um, I'll talk more about the what, what it means to have a four-track here in a little bit, but uh, first a little bit more about getting the thing going. Um, so I tried two different AC adapters that fit the plug and had the right voltage. It's a 12-volt, and uh, neither one worked, and it uh, took me a moment. I looked closer at the little indicator on the back and saw that, unlike most items, this one required that the post be negative and the sleeve positive. And so um, 
what I did was took an adapter, uh, an AC adapter that I had recently hacked for another purpose. Um, it was for, I was building from a kit a little amplifier, uh, just a circuit board and some um, capacitors, resistors, transistors, you know, that kind of stuff. And it needed uh, 12 volt AC input and it only had these two little like screw posts. And so I had taken an AC adapter that was the right voltage and cut the plug off of it, separated the two wires, um, stripped them, and then screwed those into the input. And so I had that already, but I kept the plug also for that. And so I took that adapter, uh, took the plug end, separated those wires a bit, and all I had to do to make this adapter was flip the polarity around. So on the, the plug lead where it has these long dashes, that's the negative side, I turned that around so that it was against the solid side and then um, the, the dash line on the uh, plug going to the uh, wall wart uh, went against the solid line on the plug and so that effectively switched the polarity and then when I plugged it in to the Tascam recorder and flipped the little power switch it came right on. And so that's the adapter that I've been using. Once I once I finished the video and uh, verified that the recorder worked and that I wanted to keep it and keep using it, I went ahead and soldered the connections on the uh, power plug. Um, just for testing purposes, I had used screw caps to make the, the connections, but then I soldered it and put heat shrink around the connection, so now it's relatively nice and neat and safe uh, to use. So uh, then, I took all the knobs off, took everything apart, uh, took like the circuit boards out of the case uh, so that the case itself was just bare and didn't have any circuitry in it, and took it to my uh, sink in the um, laundry room and scrubbed it and uh, used a toothbrush in all the crevices and uh, it looks like I missed a crevice right there actually though. Um, and basically just scrubbed everything, cleaned it all up and then put it back together and it looks practically brand new. In the process of putting it back together, there were a couple of issues. One, of course, was trying to make the cassette door close all the way, and I did fix that. I discovered that it had come, there's a little knob that had come out from under this little, um, I don't know what you would call it, a little springy metal clip kind of thing that kept everything, in, kept everything in alignment, and it had come out from there, and so it wasn't lined up right. So once I got that sorted out, the door has worked perfectly ever since. The other problem was that I found a tiny, tiny piece of plastic floating around inside the, the case along with a little bitty spring that you could barely see. And um, I determined later that those are uh, what make the pause mechanism work. Pause doesn't work right now. If you press it, it just flops right back up. Um, I have the parts still, or actually I lost the spring, but I, I've cannibalized a couple of other cassette machines that I had at my disposal for uh, springs, and even the little cap that's supposed to hold it on, but the, the caps that I have are incompatible. That, that's the problem. I can't put the spring and the little plastic piece back on because there's supposed to be this little cap that holds it in place, and the caps that I got off the other machines have this little have like a, a plug that you put down into a hole and it holds it still, but this, this uh, machine doesn't have the hole to put it in, and so these things don't work. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid to try and drill a hole because I don't have a drill bit small enough, and I'm afraid I'll just break it completely. 
So I'm holding out for possibly an exact replacement part at some point. All right. So uh, anyway, it, I think it's time to, to demonstrate this thing. Um, I, I've brought it to my office because it's fairly quiet over here. Actually, I can hear one sound going. That's, I think I'm going to put my... Um, Put this little machine to sleep. How do I do it? Control H. I've got a laptop over here whose sole purpose is employee timesheets because the timesheet system at the university here is so antiquated that if you try to run it on any machine that uh, has an updated version of Java, it requires Java, first of all, that's a big problem. But Updated versions of Java break compatibility with our um, timesheet system. So I, I have this Dell laptop that's about 12 years old that used to be my son's. And uh, I installed an old version of Debian and uh, an old version of Ice-T and <clears throat> OpenJDK or whatever the, the Java packages are. And then um, did apt hold on those to make sure they never get updated. And uh, half of the faculty have to come here to my office to do their timesheets because that's one of the only machines in the department that actually works with the timesheet system. It's pretty sad. Um, okay, so what are we doing here? We're gonna, I'm, what I'm going to do is demonstrate how this machine works and uh, I'm going to actually record a little tune. And I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. It will be revealed track by track and I think it will be more fun that way. I've already tested this a few times. Uh, when I first brought it to the office for testing, I recorded using only the instruments that I had with me, which I, I think was a, a scraper. I had a, a metal guiro, kind of a Dominican Republic kind of instrument. And I had my voice. And so I laid down a track of the guiro, and then I laid down two tracks of my voice singing in harmony. <clears throat> and it worked perfectly. I was so excited, and I thought, man, my daughter is going to love this. She is all into music, loves to sing, and she loves to make harmony. She's always trying to make harmony almost against herself in real time. Of course, she has to switch back and forth between the upper and lower parts. And so uh, when I explained to her what this machine did and how she could use it, her eyes just lit up and said, whoa. <laughs> um, first of all, to understand what a four-track is, this is a machine that allows multi-track recording um, it's like a recording studio, only it's very small and meant to be used at home by amateurs. So uh, I, for, for younger folks, I would tell them it's uh, like GarageBand before there was GarageBand. When I was a teenager, a four-track was a thing of gold because it allowed you, if you had written a song, you could, you could lay down a, a demo tape with it. Um, even all by yourself, you can just lay down one track at a time you go back and, and uh, play from the first track you did and play along with it and record that and then go back and record a third and a fourth tracks and suddenly you've got a four track recording that can have, you know, can have vocals, guitar, bass and drums if you want. I mean that's, that's a pretty uh, powerful tool. Uh, it records onto cassette tape but the, the demo that I made the other day in here sounded incredibly clean. I mean, it wasn't quite CD quality, but it was not far off. If you're interested in hearing that, I tweeted it out. And, uh, it's on my SoundCloud page, and maybe I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But um, it's hard to 
overemphasize how important a four-track machine was to a teenage musician in the 80s and 90s. Um, everyone that I've talked to about this machine, uh, the other music faculty who are about my age, when I show them this, they say, oh man, I had one of those when I was in high school. I used it all the time. Our band used to record demos. I used to record the songs I'd written. And uh, it's, um, it's like they, they get all excited just talking about it because they remember how wonderful the machine was. So let's start hooking it up here. Um, first, I guess I will... I'm going to try to do this as bare bones as possible. I, I've put a bunch of pictures together for a slideshow on Flickr, but I don't know that I'm going to use all of this equipment. I, I brought a, a separate mixer that has phantom power, which you need for the um, condenser mic. I've, I've got three different microphones here. I have a Sennheiser 825S, which is not a great, it's a dynamic microphone that's not super high quality. I have a Shure SM58, which is a, a classic microphone that's been used by everybody around the world, mainly for vocals in live sound reinforcement, not so much in studio. And then I have an Audio-Technica condenser mic. Um, what is the model number on here? I don't see a model number. It's got to have one. Uh, where is it? It just says Audio-Technica cardioid condenser. Oh, there it is, ATM710. Um, I'll, I'll include those references in the show notes, I guess. Uh, so, but the condenser mic requires a, a thing called phantom power. And the, the mixer, this is a Behringer Zenix 1202 mixer. It's a four-channel, a four-input mixer. And um, if I wanted to use the condenser mic, I would have to run it through this mixer first and then go from there into the recorder. Um, I did find this morning a microphone cable that has regular microphone XLR on one end and quarter inch on the other. And so that's what I could try to use at first, just to show how with very, very basic equipment, you could make a four channel recording. Um, so first thing to do is, um, I'm also gonna be recording the output of this recorder onto my Marantz professional solid-state recorder. I did an episode about this machine um, a year or two ago, maybe three years ago. I inherited it from my mother-in-law when she passed away. Um, she used to do interviews and stuff on this, and uh, I use it now for transferring LP to MP3 and stuff like that. So I'm going to be recording the output of the um, recorder onto that. Now, where's my where, where's my cable? For, oh, here it is. So I'm going to I'm going to go. There's a line out on the back of the recorder that is two RCA plugs, left and right. So I'm just going to plug the left and right of the RCA here, and then on the other end of this cable is a mini plug. <coughs> okay, left and right, and. Plug this into the input on the back of the Marantz. I'm going to push record pause right there so it can start taking levels. Of course, it's not getting any signal yet because the recorder is not turned on. Um, now, where is the mic cable with quarter inch at the other end? It's not that one. That's a regular mic cable. 
I had all these cables laid out for a picture. I've been taking a lot of pictures. Normally this wouldn't take me nearly so long, but I've been trying to document everything for y'all's benefit. And now, where did it go? That's another regular mic cable. Regular mic cable. Oh, down here. Here it is on the floor, of course. All right. I don't know if I've ever used this mic cable before, but it, it is XLR on the end that plugs into the microphone. And then it is a quarter inch on the end that plugs into the recording device. We'll see how it sounds. This will go into line one. Oops, I've also got pictures of I've got pictures of my lead sheet that I'm going to use to play the song, and then I've got a picture of my plan for recording that shows which tracks I'm going to put which things on. So right now I've got the microphone plugged in there. I'm not going to use the microphone just yet. First thing I'm going to do is lay down a track from a metronome, and I do that so that my tempo remains steady. Now the, the metronome I'm using is a Matrix MR800, quartz metronome. It's a pretty cool little metronome. Uh, this was found in the, the lost and found bin in the School of Music office. Some student had left it somewhere and never came to claim it, so I'm using it now. And it has a dial that you can spin around to select the tempo. And incidentally, the knob on here is one that I pulled off of a dead... Um, what was it? Uh, a limiter compressor, a Lisa's rack-mounted limiter compressor, and the knob fit in there, so I'm using that now. It's a lot easier to turn the knob uh, with a knob on it. <laughs> and then it's got a place here where you can choose what meter to beat it out in. Either You can either have... This is probably going to be really loud here. I'll hold it away from my microphone. You can turn it on where it's got every beat emphasized the same, like this, Or you can choose to have it in, let's say, I'm going to use 4-4 four, four meters, so the first beat of the bar will be at a higher pitch than the other three beats in the bar, like this. So that's the one I'm going to use, because it uh, helps me keep on track. Um, so what I'm going to do is lay down the metronome on track 4, and then uh, record the bongo drums on track uh, track three. And then I'll go back and record over the metronome with the clave on track four. And then on track two, I'm going to put the guitar, and track one will be some instrument playing the melody of the tune. Either, a, I think it might be a harmonica or lead guitar. Maybe the harmonica. The harmonica is limited because it does not... Um, it does not have all the notes I need for this melody, but it, it might be close enough for jazz, as they say. Okay, so I've plugged the metronome. The, this metronome also very conveniently has a headphone out jack, although it does not have a volume control, and it's extremely loud in the headphones, so I do not use it in headphones. But it's perfect for this purpose because I can go out of the headphone jack into the recorder, and it will be a nice, clean recording. I also have to put a tape in, of course. I have here a 10-minute long sound TDK Professional Master Series tape. Uh, 
And so this will actually only give us five minutes of recording time because one thing about a four-track recorder, it only records one direction on the tape. Now every cassette tape actually has four tracks, but they're, they're done left and right going on the A side and then left and right going on the B side. If you put a, a regular cassette tape in this machine and play it back, and you have the volume of tracks three and four turned up, what you're going to hear is the B-side music playing backwards. Uh, so it's a very strange phenomenon. Um, so what you have to do, since this only plays in one direction, once you get everything the way you want it, you have to um, record the contents of the four-track tape onto an external source. And in this case, I'm going to be using the Marantz Professional Recorder as my uh, master copy. Okay, so um, let me uh, let me turn on the metronome and see, oh, I got to plug in the power on the Tascam. That would help. And I've got to plug in the power supply for the Tascam. Is it plugged in? Oh, I've got to turn on the, the switch. <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got going into track four. There, uh, there are only two inputs on this recorder, so you can only record two things at a time. What you have to do, there's a little slider switch on each input that says that has three positions. Position one is for track one. Then in the middle is a safe position so that you can't record on that track. And then position three uh, will record onto track three. And then the other input has tracks two and four with a safe position in the middle. So right now what I'm going to do is put uh, input one on safe and input two slid down to track four. I already have the metronome going, but you won't be able to hear it. Um, I'm going to, what should I do on this recorder over here? I'll just start recording, I guess. Oopsie. <laughs> you might be able to hear that uh, the Marantz machine is the Marantz machine is playing through its little speaker. So I'm gonna turn that speaker all the way down. Oops, that was wrong there. Alright. I can see the lights lighting up on the task cam, indicating that it is recording. And they say that you should have the, the um, indicator should mostly be around level zero. It's got, there are four LEDs, two red and two yellow. Um, it starts at minus 10 dB, then minus 5 dB, then zero is where they say you should aim for, for your base level. And then plus six, if that one lights up, you're, uh, that's like the max it should ever get. And you can start clipping if that's pegged at that for very long. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop that bit, and now what I'm going to do is turn down all of these headphones. I don't really know what's on this tape. I think I remember what's on it, but I don't remember for sure. I think it's a sequencing that I did in college, and I just happen to still have the tape. I'm going to uh, pull all of that down, let's see, except for maybe track four. Let's turn this back on and see. Oh, oh, yeah, the line out is going to 
Well, let, let's uh, let's see what happens. Okay, I'm going to press record. You have to push down record and play at the same time with some force. The tape is rolling. And once I'm sure it's gotten past the leader tape, I'll start the metronome. Actually, you know what? I better I'm not sure this is the tempo I want. <laughs> um, I need to I need to find my tempo. Tempo will work. Now, I rewound the tape and I'm going to press record again. Recording on track four. Other channel is safe. Levels are set. Let's roll. The red light on the record indicator is on. And we're past the leader tape, so here we go. I'm just going to let it go long enough where I think it's gotten through the whole song that I want to do. And while it's doing that, I can talk about uh, what's going to come next. So what I'm going to do next is record the bongo drums. And for that, I will set up a microphone. And at first, I guess I'm going to try using a dynamic microphone. I think it would be better to use a condenser mic, but I'm going to try the dynamic mic just because that's the one that's got the uh, quarter-inch plug and would be the simplest thing for a teenager on a limited budget to have at home. Um, it's still recording away on the, um, on the metronome. That won't be too loud on the recording that I'm making while I'm speaking. Um, now let's find. Uh, I have a mic stand on my desk. I've got like a, a tabletop mic stand that I'm going to put on the floor in front of the bongos and get the. A dynamic mic is meant not to pick up as much sound externally as a condenser mic does. A condenser mic will pick up like everything in the room. Uh, the, the microphone on your phone, for example, will be a condenser mic. Um, the microphones on a Zoom recorder, those little two stereo mics, those are both like uh, condenser microphones. And uh, they pick up all the ambient sound. A dynamic microphone is, uh, is different. I, I wish I knew the exact technical ways in which it's different, but I don't know this. Uh, but... I, I know the effect that it has, and it's a, a different effect. Still recording. I've probably recorded about enough metronome at this point, but um, it won't hurt to have it go a little longer. Ooh, that's perfect. I need a, I need a picture of this. Where's my tablet? Yeah, maybe I don't need a picture. It's all right. Let's see. Is that enough? The wheels are turning, still going. A metronome will go indefinitely. It's a workhorse, man. It, it, uh, 
Oops, I can see that it's, it's going to be clipping over here on the Marantz recorder. Turn that record level down a little bit on that. One thing I really like about the Marantz recorder is it's got physical knobs and buttons and stuff to turn the levels down. Incidentally, that's one of the things my daughter likes best about using this Tascam Mini Studio also. I, I mean, I told her how, I mean, most kids her age nowadays will use an iPad or a, a laptop or something, but she really likes the physical sliders. She likes the knobs. She likes playing with the left and right pan feature with the, the knobs. That's something I didn't uh, mention, but so on, on the um, mixer part of the board, it's very, very basic. You've only got level and pan. Uh, a more advanced mixer would have some basic equalization, uh, high, mid, and low. And that is available on this Zenix 1202 mixer that I've got as an external source, but it's not available on the recorder itself. So we're just going to do like raw sounds here today. But uh, my daughter really enjoyed putting her two voice tracks down and then using the pan feature to control how far left and how far right each one went. So it sounded like you had two different people singing at you at the same time. Okay, this is more than enough metronome. So I'm going to stop the metronome and let it record a little bit more silence and then rewind. Okay, let's rewind. And what I'm going to have to do is put on headphones to listen to this. Uh, get out my Bose Quiet Comfort headphones. And I need a headphone adapter. All these inputs are quarter inch, so my mini plug headphone jack doesn't work with it. Um, I can use I can use this one now. Headphones in there. So the I'm pretty sure the the Marantz is still recording right now. Oh, is it recording? Huh? Was it recording that whole time, or was it not? Oh, maybe it wasn't. Okay, now it's recording. Well, that's probably just as well that it didn't uh, pick up that whole uh, <laughs> that whole thing with the metronome. That would have been extremely tedious. So now I'm going to hook up my headphones. And I've got power there. So there's a little bit of noise coming through the headphones. I wonder if I should use different ones. Let's listen back. I'm going to listen now to the tape just to make sure it recorded the way I think. Oh yeah, it helps if I turn up the... Okay, I've got... Um, I've got metronome. Metronome is going. 
going to rewind the tape. And now I've got to check the level on this microphone. So this is in line one. I'm going to put this on track three, put input two on the safe, bring up, uh, let's see, track three. Are you plugged in? Test one, two, two, two. Test, test. Um, this might not be working, this this microphone. Test, test. Oh, there it is. Okay, there it is. I see the um, I see the indicators going now. I'm gonna turn it up a little bit more. Okay, now I'm gonna put it down and play the bongo and see what the level is like. down a little lower. Okay, that's probably a, a good enough level. Now I need my lead sheet to know how long to play the bongo. I have to keep this in mind as I go. I think I will let two measures worth of two measures worth of metronome go before I start playing the bongo. And that way I will also know when to start the clave when I record that track. Uh, okay, so input one is on three, input two is on safe. I got my level set, got my headphones on with the um, metronome in it. Let's roll. Here we go. Recording now. Actually, I'm going to do a, a clap to sync this up. That should have gone on to the Marantz. Yes, Marantz is still recording. This is complicated. <laughs> Trying to record my podcast commentary at the same time, recording the output of the recorder and doing all these levels. Um, here we go. Recorder is rolling.
That should be enough of that. I, I recorded much longer than I needed to, but my plan is to fade out at the end anyway, and so uh, I need plenty of room on the end to do the fade out. All right, let's go back and listen to our two tracks. So I'll turn up track three. like the sound of that microphone. I'm going to use a condenser mic. I'm going to record this again. Um, okay, this is going to take me just a moment to set up the condenser mic. Yeah, that, that uh, the dynamic mic does not work well for that. So we will change it out to use the Audio-Technica and put the, put this cable to the side for the moment. Okay, Audio Technica, which are you? This one. I need a traditional mic cable. Put down my headphones for a sec. Regular mic cable. And plug this into input one of the Zenix 1202 mixer. Make sure phantom power is activated. Yes. Okay. Plug in this end of the microphone. Then I've got to take a quarter inch cable and run out of, I'll use my yellow quarter inch cable, run out of the mains output of the mixer into the correct channel of the recorder. So we'll go out of the left channel there. Yeah, one of the other things that my daughter really likes about using this old analog stuff is plugging in the cables. That's always super fun. It makes a very satisfying clunk when you plug it in. Um, okay, so Bring this up. Oh yeah, that is much hotter. Um, that's gonna like that's gonna overdo the uh, the Marantz over here too. Turn that down a little bit. Oh yeah, that's coming through real strong. Let's turn this mic though. Setting my levels here. Let's get the drums out. Ooh, that's hot. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, the uh, the the two drums of the bongo are the macho and the embra. The 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 macho is too loud right there. Let's bring this down. Just a little bit more. Okay, I 
think I'm ready uh, to record over the track I just did. Here we go. of recording in the studio. Get all nervous, man. I'm going to mess up and make mistakes. going to be a long episode, y'all, sorry about that, but uh, if you're not interested, uh, hopefully you would have turned off by now anyway, uh, it's time to listen back to what I just recorded. Make sure the levels sound right, that the uh, bongos sound okay. I've got the EQ pretty much even over there. I'm not doing a whole lot with it. Turn down the metronome. do. It's a little bit not, I mean, it's not quite as loud as I had hoped, but I can, uh, hopefully I can just mix that in there. Um, something just occurred to me. I might want to have the, I might actually want to have the metronome still going in my ear when I record the clave, so I'm going to put, um, I'm going to put the clave on track two and then put the guitar on track four after clave is down. I need to mark out my thing so clave new guitar on track four. All right, time for clave. Clave is a Cuban instrument, uh, two sticks, 
is a very simple way to describe it. However, it's uh, much more than that. It has to be made out of a special kind of wood. And the clave that I have here is a Roomba clave, which uh, is a, the, the larger of the, it, it's like, has a beater stick that's smaller than the clave itself. And the clave has a, a like a, a half circle, like a, a semicircle cut out of it. And you're, you have to hold that so that it uh, makes a sound chamber with your hand. I'll demonstrate. So if I just hit this with the stick without holding it the right way, it doesn't sound right. But listen to this difference when I hold it right. Check this out. Now that is a sound. Okay. Um, track two. Let's put this one on safe, that one on two. Looks like if I sit right about here, um, I'm getting the levels about the right uh, level on here on the microphone. Okay. Maybe a little bit hotter. I'm adjusting two things. One is the slider on input two, and the other is the trim, which is a little knob at the top. Um, according to the user manual, you change the trim according to whether you're using a mic or a line input. Okay, that'll work. Now let's get the headphones back on. I'm gonna record track two. And while I'm recording track two, I will listen to the bongos and the metronome. Okay, that's track two. That's safe. Here we go. Oops, did I rewind? Yeah. Get all nervous, man. That was funny. So I heard myself speaking. I'd forgotten that if I talk during the, um, while I'm recording from the condenser mic, it's going to pick it up. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Here we go. That's the other thing you got to avoid is having your phone go off while you're recording. You have to put that on silent. No. Silence the phone. Let's rewind. Do this again. <laughs> Throw my phone over there where even if it vibrates, it can't hear. Okay. Let's try this again. Recording track two now, the clave.
I'll do. Go back and listen. So now I've actually just recorded two of the four tracks because the metronome track is not meant to be part of anything. What I'm going to do is turn down the metronome on this playback, turn up uh, the clave and the bongo, and let's see how it sounds. you can hear the same problem I hear, but what I'm hearing right now is that the sound of the metronome is coming through my headphones into the condenser mic. Uh, I'm not real happy with that. Um, I think what I will do, record them both over again without a metronome, just hope for the best. So, let's get rid of the metronome, go back to track four. Um, and I'm going to start with bongo, and I'll do a, an old-school count-off. One, two, one, two, three, four, like that. Um, all right, so did I rewind? Yes. Turn track three down in the mix. Turn track two down in the mix. Track four. All right. What you guys are getting a sense of here is uh, something I, I pointed out to my daughter. However long you think it's going to take you to record something, go ahead and double that time and you might be getting close. Okay, are we ready? I think we're ready. One, two, one, two, three, four. I would have faded out by then anyway. Now, let's rewind. 
I'm not going to listen back to this. I'm just going to record straight onto Clave here. Uh, turn that down, push that on save, put this uh, track four. Let's put Clave on track three. Whoopsie. Put the bonkers down. Okay, let's record. Two tracks down. Let's put a guitar in here, guys. I'll put the clave back in my bag. Done with you. Okay, I've got a guitar now. And I think I need to move the microphone where it'll hear the guitar a little better. here on the, onto my table. Okay, now let's point it down a little bit. Lower this part. Okay, now let's get a level on the guitar. I wish I had my classical guitar here today, but it's it's in my daughter's bedroom. And um, she was asleep when I left the house. So which, uh, I'm gonna, wait, what am I doing now? Clave is on four. I'm back to my original, bongo on three. So guitar will go on two. Okay. Guitar on track two. I think I need to adjust my microphone here so as not to bang it with the guitar. There, so hopefully that wasn't too loud in your ear. I'll bring it up a little bit over here. 
I need to check tuning. Always check tuning. I'm going to check it with the harmonica just in case I want to use the harmonica for me. same time as the rhythm guitar or is it going to have a bar or two lead to it? Um, I think I will have four bars of guitar strumming and then have the, um, the main theme come in. Okay. Track two. Okay, I've got track three and four in my headphones. That side's on safe. Let's turn that down. Make sure it's on safe. You gotta double check these things. Okay. Recording on track two, rhythm guitar. We're getting there, guys. Here we go. Tinny in my headphones. Um, oh, I, I forgot how the main tune. I'm trying to. So the, the difficulty. I'm trying to hear the main tune in my head as I'm strumming, and I forgot how the first bit went. So let's let's try this again. Thank you. 
You guys are going to get a sense of what song I'm playing here. If I keep this up. Okay, I think I got it now. Take three. Sounded okay. Playing back with track two now. Let's make this one safe. irritating me. <laughs> this is one of the things I told my daughter also is very, very difficult about multi-track recording by yourself is that if you're doing something, it's hard to keep track of where you are in the song when you're not hearing the other parts. did that wrong. I got to re-record. Re Sorry, y'all. One more time. I think I got it this time. <laughs> you can tell I didn't really rehearse this very much. This is a, a kind of on-the-fly thing. and I, I can probably make it work because I'm, I'm a fairly experienced musician, but um, in any case, let's, let's try this again. Track two, recording. Let's go. Thank you. 
Okay. I might have to do, I, I messed up one chord there, but we might just have to live with it. This is taking longer than I want it to. Listen one more time. Hear me practicing along for the harmonica track. But, yeah, it's, I'm not sure how well the harmonica is gonna. It's really missing. Um, to do this properly, I would need a chromatic harmonica. Oopsie. Uh, put the mic back up like that. And so harmonica is gonna go on track one. Track two and four are safe now. Okay, this is gonna <clears throat> this is gonna probably be extremely loud in the talking part. I will have to do some work in Audacity to fix that. Okay, now that gives away what song it is, huh? <clears throat> okay, is this rewound? Yes. All right, so I've got these three tracks up in my headphones, and uh, psh, let's see how it goes. first thing. <laughs> okay. Here we go.
I think I'm done recording. And now comes the mixing mastering part where we just set all the levels and uh, dump it to <clears throat> the Marantz. So right this time I will actually make sure that the Marantz is uh, at a good recording level. Let's, uh, let's play it back and listen. So yes, the big mystery is revealed. I'm playing the HPR theme song with a Latin beat and a harmonica, kind of a weird... So listen, as we do this, I can turn down the clave completely, or turn down the guitar, add the clave back in, and there's the harmonica, or... Harmonica left. <laughs> and here's where I would fade out. got a whole bunch of messy stuff going on there right there. I need to set the level down a little bit more on the Marantz, I think. Play back. That might be about all the mixing I'm going to do. Let's just set the harmonica level again. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to pan, I'll pan the, um, the clave just a tiny bit right and pan the bongo just a little bit left. And um, that'll be that. Uh, okay, so time to, re time to rewind all the way to the beginning. And now I'm going to make this the actual master tape. Man, this is a long episode. Even on the Marantz, it's a 42 minutes, and I started that maybe 15 or 20 minutes into the thing. Um, okay. <clears throat> I think we're ready. All four tracks set to the appropriate levels, panned the way I want them, and um, time to dump it to the Marantz.
<laughs> okay, so what I'll do is, um, <clears throat> I think what I'll do is I'll take that dump and put it in Audacity and fade out properly, and then uh, I will include that as a kind of appendix to the episode where I've been talking all along. Um, I'm going to take these headphones off now. They've been driving me crazy for a while. Uh, all right. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed hearing the process of multi-track recording using a home recording device from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I've found this enormously satisfying. I mean, I couldn't, the first recording I made with it, I could not wipe the smile off my face because I was having so much fun. And um, it brought back so many memories of trying to make little recordings at my friend's houses when uh, when I was a teenager. I never had a four-track recorder. I, I, I mean, I could barely afford to get the guitar I needed and get an amp and, and all of that kind of uh, stuff. But uh, I had friends who had recorders. One of them even had an eight-track that recorded onto um, quarter-inch reel-to-reel tape. But I think he also had a four-track recorder. And I remember one of our one of our friends who was a, a fantastic musician who went on to have he recorded two albums with I think Polygram Records later and then when independent his name is David Mead fantastic songwriter but incredibly prolific like he he would just keep asking my friend Stephen hey man can I come over and use your four track I want to record uh, some demos of all these songs I've written and he kept asking Stephen so many times that Stephen finally just said look man just take the four track back to your house. Knock yourself out. Just borrow it this weekend. <laughs> and David took it home and recorded like 30 songs on it. And just like, I mean, he probably spent like 15 hours a day uh, using the thing. But um, I mean, back then, that was how you made demos, was with a four-track. Now, th- this is maybe the simplest four-track machine I've ever seen. Because the, the ones that my friends had actually had four separate inputs. So you could, if you had a four-person band, you could all be recording at the same time. On this one, you can only do two people at a time, but um, as you uh, see from what I just did, it it works. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty cool, and uh, I've really had fun um, showing my daughter how to do this. Uh, once she understood the principle of multi-track recording, she was all in. She wanted to learn everything, so now she knows how to hook up all the cables and how to um, set her levels and... Uh, which microphone to use, and um, what was really funny is that um, I remember we put a different tape in to record something, and, and she had to rewind it, and she said, Dad, I think the tape counter's broken. It's it's at like 984 or something instead of zero, and said, so I said, uh, Hun, just just push that little button next to it, and it went back to zeros, and she grinned. And I said, here's here's the thing about the tape counter. If you wanted to record more than one song on this on this tape, so you have to put them one after the other, so once you're done with the first song, you go forward a little bit, and then you put the tape counter back to zero, and then when you're recording that song, you just keep rewinding to zero instead of all the way to the beginning of the tape. And I could see her mind processing, and she waited a beat and just said, that's brilliant. <laughs> I said, yeah, hon, they knew how to do stuff back in the day, too. It's, you know, it's just a little bit, uh, a little bit different, but there were ways to do just about everything. Um, and like I said, the... I've talked to five or six of my colleagues since I got this and showed it to them. They all just like could not wipe the smiles off their face. Like, oh man, I remember my four track, how much fun it was to record with the band or just with my with myself. And um, I'm I'm having a really good time playing with this. And um, I think you'll probably agree it sounds remarkably good for a cassette tape for a machine that's 30 years old, probably at least 25 years old. And um, 
It's good. If, if you uh, enjoyed hearing this, you might like watching me take the whole thing apart and put it back together and clean it and everything. That's on my uh, YouTube channel, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes and also a bunch of pictures and everything. Okay? Anyway, I, I've gone on long enough. I've tested your patience through a recording session, but uh, now <laughs> hopefully you have a sense of how long it takes to do these kinds of things in real time. Um, recording in the studio takes a very, very long time. Um, all right, that's it. I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys later, okay? Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.